You're listening to the Forefront Church Sermon Podcast. Forefront Church is a progressive Christian community more interested in asking good questions than having all the right answers. Thanks for listening. church family, uh, I want to tell you this before I start, that I am preaching today, this morning, in possibly one of the most awkward places I can preach. I am preaching in my parents' bedroom, so this is a new one. Uh, Never fear, I think the Holy Spirit will still be here, even in this place. Let me begin, because I am going to talk about the Holy Spirit, so let me begin today. And I want to begin with a quote from from, uh, Pope Francis. He preached this five years ago. And Pope Francis said this, Pope Francis said, the Holy Spirit is often the forgotten one. The Holy Spirit is often the forgotten one. And that, 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 that spoke to me, that hit me, and I'll tell you why. It did, because I talk all the time about God. God is the infinite and unimaginable. God is the ground of all being. And this ground of all being, the infinite and unimaginable, loves us so much. And we are made uh, perfectly in the image of God, the infinite and unimaginable. And we say this constantly and all the time. And then we talk about Jesus all the time, right? And Jesus, if we want to know who God is, we look at Jesus. If we want to know who God loves, we look at Jesus. If we want to know what God wants for God's kingdom, we look at Jesus, right? Our WWJD bracelets are real, right? They matter. They're not corny like we think they are. When we want to know what we should do, We look at Jesus, right? And then there is the Holy Spirit. Now, I gotta speak for myself for one second, okay? And what I need to tell you is that my ancestry is one of Scotch-Irish descent. Okay, what does Scotch-Irish descent mean? It means that a bunch of people from Scotland and Ireland came over to the United States really early on. And when they came over, two things happened. There was a really big revival, a really big Christian revival, and the Holy Spirit was all a part of that, and it was huge, and it would happen all throughout what we now know as Appalachia, right? But then here's another thing that happened. There were some Scotch-Irish people who were like, "Mm, I don't like this Holy Spirit talk because it makes me focus in on my feelings, and I don't want to have feelings, and so I'm going to move another direction. And unfortunately, those are my ancestors. My ancestors said, hey, we don't want to pay too much attention to the Holy Spirit because we can't trust ourselves. And so the way I grew up within this Scotch-Irish ancestry and Christian uh, Christian tradition was to say, hey, we believe in God, and we believe in the Son, and we believe in the Holy Bible. Not the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Bible tells us exactly what we need to know, and the Holy Spirit is based off of what? Some, like, conscience that I have, a still small voice that might be speaking to me, a wise word from a friend, that simple feeling that sends a shiver up our spine. How, how does the Spirit speak? Through a song? Through, through somebody else's word? Through reading something? Right? That, we, we can't be certain that that's the Spirit. And so my tradition, my ancestry, my ethnicity, my culture, they all said, don't trust it. Don't trust it. Throw it away. And what I'm here to say is I am reclaiming and I'm repenting of that. I'm reclaiming the Holy Spirit. What I see is I see in this time right now, in this time that we are calling Jubilee, we're calling it Jubilee because what is Jubilee? Jubilee is an uprising and Jubilee is a revolution that brings a new way of flourishing and a new way of restoration to living. So in the midst of this Jubilee, what I'm recognizing 
and, and this is me personally again, what I'm recognizing is that we aren't going to bring this Jubilee. We're not going to do it unless we have the disruption of the Holy Spirit. The disruption of the Holy Spirit. Now, some of you are like me, right? You grew up in a tradition that didn't have the Holy Spirit. You might not even believe in the Holy Spirit. And isn't it funny how people like me and myself, we don't have to believe in the Holy Spirit. You know what the Holy Spirit does? Holy Spirit disrupts us to a point where we lose power. And people like me were like, I don't need to listen to the Holy Spirit. I don't even need to believe in it because if it's going to take my power, I'm not interested in it, right? That's what we do with the Holy Spirit. Now, there are others of us in our church who are like, I grew up with the Holy Spirit tradition, and I believe in the Spirit fully, and you're late to the game. Welcome, but you're late to the game. And I get that too, and I repent of that as well. But as a church, I'm preaching on the Holy Spirit today. The Holy Spirit is moving in me. I know it's moving in all of you. And so let's talk about how we are going to create Jubilee through this Spirit that we have, okay? Now, this is what I want to do. I want to do this. I want to go to the book of Acts. And in the book of Acts, I'm going to talk about how the Holy Spirit was the great disruptor and how it disrupted powers and principalities back then, just like I believe that it disrupts powers and principalities today. And by the way, when we talk about powers and principalities, uh, we grew, we, a lot of us grew up in places where powers and principalities were, you know, the demons and the angels that were fighting all around us. And I don't, I don't know what to believe about that, to be honest. Uh, I don't know if I have a strong opinion on that. But what I do believe strongly is that the powers and principalities that I believe Paul was speaking of uh, when he says it's not flesh and blood, I, I believe that they're speaking on systems. And I believe that they're speaking on systems that especially stop people from flourishing the way for God intended them to flourish. And so when we think about powers and principalities specifically in this series, I'm thinking specifically around white supremacy. White supremacy that would center my Christianity above all others. White supremacy that would say, uh, you might not be white, but we expect you to operate and to live in, in white-centered rules. And when you don't get it right, yeah, we are going to punish you severely for that. That's a broken system. And those are the powers and principalities that we fight against. So let's talk about the spirit disrupting those powers and principalities. And I'm going to read for us this passage. And this passage says this. For John was baptized with water. But in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then they gathered around Jesus and asked Jesus, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And Jesus said to them, it is not for you to know the time or dates that God has set by God's own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. This is from Acts 1, 5 through 8. What's happening? Resurrected Jesus shows up. Everybody's all excited. Jesus' disciples and followers are there. And they say, Jesus, what comes next? Jesus says, it's going to be good, okay? We are going to restore the kingdom of God. That's what we are going to do. We're going to restore things to where God gets what God wants. And so that means, ooh, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to not say that one is better than the other. We're not going to do any of that. What we're going to do is we're going to make sure that everybody is put in, is put in a place of flourishing. That's what we're going to do. And so I want you to go to Jerusalem and do that. And you can see all the followers and they're all excited. They're like, yes. Let us go to Jerusalem. And why were they excited about going to Jerusalem? They were excited because those were their people. It was easy to go to Jerusalem. 
right? It's like going to your friend's house. Not very difficult. And so Jesus says, you're going to go preach my gospel in Jerusalem. They're like, yeah, yeah, this is great. We're going to go preach it. And then Jesus says, hey, and you're going to go preach in Judea. And, you're, and they were like, oh, well, you know, okay, cool. We'll preach in Judea. You know what that feels like a little bit? It's like when somebody says, hey, you're going to go see your friends, but they live in Manhattan. You're like, oh, okay, that's cool. It's going to be a little longer, but I'll do it anyway. And for those of you who live in Manhattan, you, you know, it's like Brooklyn. Or for those of you who live in California, yeah, we get it. Anyway, so you're still excited about it, but it's a little bit more work. And so you see them and they're all like, this is amazing, Jesus. This is going to be great. And, and then Jesus goes, and then, and then you're going to go to, and do this in Samaria. And everybody goes, oh, wait a second. Samaria, those people are awful. Like, don't you know, like, they, 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 they married, they, they, they mixed ethnicity, married other people, and that brought new gods and new idols and, and new ways of culture and tradition into the Jewish community, and we don't like that. In fact, we don't like them. In fact, we call them dogs. They're the, they're the worst of the worst people. They're the kind of people that watch two and a half men. And I don't want to be around those kind of people. And Jesus says, well, you're going to do it anyway. And then literally, I'm not kidding you, the scriptures tell us that Jesus went up into heaven. Like he gave them really, really bad news. And then he goes up into heaven. And so they're all looking up. They're all like this. And some angels have to come. And some angels are like, hey, get to work. Why are you looking up? Stop this nonsense. And they're like, well, we just got some bad news. And then Jesus went and disappeared. Jesus told us we're going to have to like, like bring the kingdom of God with some people that, that, that we don't want to bring the kingdom of God with. I don't know what to do. And so then the Holy Spirit, what does it do? Well, nothing at first because they don't go anywhere. The followers of Jesus, they hear this good news that the new kingdom is coming. The new kingdom is bringing equity for all. The new kingdom is going to restore those who need restoration. The new kingdom is going to take power from people who are in power and give power to the powerless. This is what the new kingdom is going to do. And they don't want anything to do with it because they have to go to their enemies in order to create it. So they stay. They just stay in Jerusalem, hanging out with their friends. Until finally, the Roman Empire decides to come in and starts persecuting the Jewish people. And as they persecute the Jewish people, the Jewish people go, Oh, you remember that time when Jesus, before he ascended into heaven, told us that we should go to the ends of the earth? Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to do that. Because my other option at this point is death. So I'd rather go talk to my enemies than to die. That's what gets them moving. That's what gets the Holy Spirit working in them, right? And this is what I love about the Spirit. The Spirit moves through just about anything, even persecution by the state. So the Spirit's moving in it, so they go, and we get this incredible story, and it's the story of Peter. You all know Peter. Um, Peter is the, the, the famous disciple. And Peter's the one where, where um, uh, the, Jesus says, hey, on on this rock, on you, Peter, is where I'm going to build my church. So Peter, he goes to a place called Caesarea. And he goes there, and he goes there because the Holy Spirit has disrupted him. He sees a vision, and in the vision he sees that God wants to change this law that Peter's been following, and Peter's ancestors have been following for literally thousands of years. And then the Spirit, Peter, get like whatever's happening in his conscience, or whatever's happening in him, working through him, whatever it might be, right? That still small voice, it's speaking... He shows up at, at the house of Caesareans. And this is what Peter says to the Caesareans. Now, I must tell you, it might be the most awful thing that anybody could say. I guess it comes from a good place. But, but this is what Peter says. He says, um, 
you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew like myself to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. Basically, Peter goes, I felt this spirit in me, and it was disrupting me, and it was telling me I had to go see you, even though, even though we don't like you, and even though we've always considered you to be less than, and even though our nation actually made laws in which we would oppress you, I'm still coming to you to tell you that, uh, you know, the Spirit's working in me, right? Do you see how it's a little bit of an awkward conversation? But regardless, it's happening. And it's happening in such a way where Peter goes to this group and he says, now listen, there have been ways in which we have, I have hurt you. And there have been ways in which I have not listened to you. And there have been ways that I have withheld my power from you. And now I'm telling you that it's over. I'm telling you that the spirit is moving, is disrupting me in such a way where I am ready. I am ready to learn from you. I am ready to, to hand power over to you and to have you wield that power upon me. That is okay. I'm going to do it. And in fact, Peter is so aggressive in this and does it in such a way where the Jewish elders call Peter back from Caesarea. And they say, Peter, why are you doing those things? Why? Why are you giving up your power? Why are you, are you working with people who you don't normally work with? What's, what's going on? And Peter says, listen, the Holy Spirit is in me. It's disrupting me. That voice, that well, the word, whatever it might be, it's got me. And so now I can't do anything but that. Now, now I got to move. Something's at work and I'm, I'm swept up in it. I'm caught in it. So I'm going to go ahead and do it too. And I love what the scriptures say. <laughs> the scriptures literally say, so the elders talked about it and decided that that was okay. All right. They were like, all right, we talked about it. Seems okay. <laughs> no, but the Spirit is at work in those elders, too. You see, when God is at work, when God gets what God wants, God gets a kingdom where everyone is called into flourishing and called into jubilee, and there's an uprising, and there's a revival and a revolution, and it happens because the Spirit is at work disrupting each and every one of us. So then some other people, in fact, I'll read it for you. It makes it a little easier. It says that now, now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also, <clears throat> preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed, or a great number believed and turned to the Lord. All right, let's talk about that. It's like I said, right? At first they go, they go to Antioch, they're scattered. And they're like, oh, you know, let's just hang with our people, right? Because we've created laws where we get to keep power and we get to hoard this for ourselves. We don't have to give that power up. But if we start hanging out with other people, then we're going to have to start getting into a place. We might have to cede some of our power. We might have to say that, that, that um, there are others who um, are, need flourishing just as much as we need flourishing. Are we ready for that? Right? And there's this one guy. His name is Barnabas. And Barnabas shows up in Antioch. Now, you got to love Antioch, right? Antioch was the third largest city in the Roman Empire. It was in modern-day Turkey, and in 43 AD, uh, they had an Olympics there. It's possible that Paul and some others were a part of that, uh, those festivities, not in the Olympics, but festivities, right? It's possible. Um, but here's the other thing about Antioch, and tell me if this sounds familiar to you. 
it was segregated by neighborhood. I don't know if you, you are you familiar with that at all. And it was segregated by gender and segregated by class, socioeconomic status, and certain people lived in certain parts of the neighborhood and other people lived in other parts of the neighborhood. And you didn't mess with that at all. I don't, any, any resonate at all? Anyway, all of a sudden the spirit is disruptive and it disrupts Barnabas. And so Barnabas, what does Barnabas do? Barnabas says enough of this. Like, it's time for us to, to, to there, there's divisions. And it's time for people who are experiencing these divisions, um, it's time for us to enact the goodness of God. And so I want us to serve people who are affected by these divisions. And so not only does Barnabas and others start to serve people affected by division, there is a city official from Antioch who says this. He's writing a letter and he says, they're so good at serving one another that they even take care of each other's dead. Now think about that. They even take care of each other's dead. Think about what happens when someone dies. This is sacred. There's a, a culture around it, right? We, we, all, we all mourn and grieve in different ways. It's cultural. It's traditional. We have different traditions by which we mourn and grieve, right? right? There's a sense in which um, uh, it's national. You know, there's, there's a certain way in which we do it based on our, where we're from uh, or, or the way we grew up. And so the spirit is so at work in Barnabas and everybody else. And they've, they've crossed lines of division in such strong ways that they've now adopted each other's customs and ways in which they care for the dead. That is incredible. Like that's the spirit at work. That's the spirit disrupting. That's the spirit moving. That's the, the conscience, the still small voice, the good word, the song, that thing that hits you, whatever it might be, trust it. Because it's the spirit that is moving and bringing jubilee. And I love this line because then scripture says to us, for the whole year they met with the church and they taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. <clears throat> Do we understand how big that is? This is a group of people that is bringing unity in such ways, that is ending division in such ways, that is bringing others up into power in such ways, that is lowering others down from, from, from powerful to less power in such ways, that everybody looks at them and everybody says to them, who are these people? In fact, these people are so, they're so radically different that the only thing I could think to call them is to call them Christians from those of us who follow Jesus the Christ. Like, we're going to have to call them that because there's no other name for them. That is what is happening in the book of Acts. That is the Holy Spirit at work that Jesus talks about. Jesus is saying you are going to move from what is comfortable to what is going to change your life and to what is going to bring the jubilee and the uprising and the revival that I so want when I get my way. And now those people are called Christians. And here we are today, and we are called Christians. And whew, we are called Christians. What does it mean for us to be called Christians? What does it mean for us? Because right now, man, you know what I get really afraid of on social media? I get afraid of anything on social media where someone in their description says that they're Christian. Part of me is like, well, this person's going to be a bigot. Or this person's going to be antithetical to the gospel. Or this person, yeah, this person's bent on hurting and anger rather than taking care of each other's dead. 
Right? That's what Christianity means. In fact, when I think about our nation, our Christian nation, the nation that we are founded upon, right, is a Christian nation. Well, 401 years ago, 401 years ago, 50 citizens of Angola were captured and held hostage and taken by the English. And that, from that first 50 came 12.5 million people who were captured and held hostage, captured from their homeland of Africa, held hostage, and then tortured, and then terrorized, and then separated, and divided, and killed for hundreds of years by people who called themselves Christians. And from that, we get a culture today. And the culture today means that those white Western Europeans that captured and held Africans hostage, well, their wealth is 12 and a half times greater than the wealth of any other ethnicity. Why is that? Because we started on top with power, unwilling to give any of it up, unwilling to be disrupted by the Holy Spirit. And yet, we still call ourselves Christian. Asian Americans make $5 an hour less than people who call themselves white, right? And, and Asian American and Afri African Americans are way less likely to be approved for home loans. And South Asians and East Asians are pitted against our black and brown siblings under the myth of model minorities. And black babies are twice as likely to die as white babies. Twice as likely to die. Do you know that this is a worse disparity than in the year 1870? 150 years ago, we had more equity than we do today. And that is in our news right now. And I know some of our forefront people went out and protested at hospitals. And this is an issue that comes from this Christian nation. Black preschool children are 3.5 times more likely to be expelled than white preschool children. You heard what I said. I said preschool. That is what I said. And there are white Christians that are out there talking about walls without ever thinking or taking even a second to think about the fact that not only uh, did we come through and knock down walls, but we broke treaties. We literally pulled people from their physical space and moved them to another space and we killed them if they didn't listen to us, right? We did that. That is the Christian nation that we have today. We have accepted the status quo. And, and, and do we believe, do we believe that the status quo of our nation belongs to the kingdom of God? Or do we believe that we have succumbed to the status quo? I think we know the answer. And so it is time for the Holy Spirit to disrupt us. It is time, and I know the Holy Spirit has been disrupting some of us for a very long time. And it's time to repent of those of us who haven't seen it. And so maybe the better words are for me to see it. It's time to join with all the others who have been disrupted by the Holy Spirit. And at their direction, start to bring this nation back to the Christianity that was talked about in the time of Antioch in the book of Acts. Maybe it's time for that to happen. And so what I want to say is this. Are we okay proclaiming loudly today that the gospel is incompatible with anything that exploits and plunders and kills for someone's gain? And are we okay with loudly proclaiming that the gospel is incompatible with anything that exploits and plunders and kills at the expense of another. Are we okay proclaiming that loudly? That's how the Spirit's moving. It's disrupting. And while you might be sitting there going, yeah, of course we proclaim that. Do we have the courage to do what Peter did and to knock on the doors of people who can't proclaim it and say, hey, I used to be like you. I used to not be able to proclaim this either. And now I'm ready to do it. Are we there yet? And so if we are there, and if we're ready to reclaim this nation, 
And to have this nation be called Christian in the same way it was called Christian in Antioch. And if we're ready to, to claim that the Spirit is ours and it's moving to disrupt us, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray this prayer of repentance. And if you all are like me and if you know that you have been a part of exploitation, then I want you to pray this prayer with me. Wherever you are, whether it be in your kitchen or on your bed or on your couch or wherever, pray this. Where I have surrendered to this nation's status quo... Holy Spirit, give me the courage to disrupt this status quo. Let me say it again. Where I have surrendered to this nation's status quo, Holy Spirit, give me the courage to disrupt the status quo and bring about the Christian nation that the Holy Spirit moves and enacts in Antioch. Now, church, last week I said to us, <laughs> last week I said to us, hey, we've asked you to do a lot, right? Last week I said, hey, uh, I've asked us to, to you know, call our legislators, help enact policies that bring change that God would want in God's kingdom, help enact policies that the Holy Spirit is calling us to enact. And I've asked us to, to do that. We've, we've asked you, some of you, to protest. We've asked some of you to educate yourself. Some of you, we simply said, hey, this is a safe space here at Forefront. And we want you to vent and be frustrated and be annoyed by all that is going on. We've given you a lot to act upon. And then last week I said to you, hey, if we're going to usher in this next 500 years, if we're going to bring Jubilee, then we should know our shame is a lie. And today, the thing I'm going to say is this. If we are going to usher in Jubilee, revival, revolution, if we are going to do what we saw done in Caesarea with Peter and in Antioch with Barnabas, then I'm calling us to stop and to listen. Because how often are we listening to the Holy Spirit at work? How often are we giving ourselves space to say, all right, Spirit, what are you saying to me today? How often are we giving ourselves enough time to be disrupted? Now, sometimes we get disrupted by the Spirit and we don't want to think about it. What we do is we go ahead and we put it over to the side. Maybe we numb it out. Uh, maybe we drink. Maybe we, we smoke a little bit or something like that that numbs it out for us. We don't have to be disrupted by it. Well, we need to stop. We need to listen. We need to stop numbing it out. And we need to say, okay, Spirit, how are you disrupting me today? And we need to know, some of us in this room, or in this room, in this virtual space, we need to know this. We need to know that we're sitting here looking up. And there are angels that are like, hey, get to work. You have your instructions. The Holy Spirit is disrupting. Get to work. And in getting to work and being disrupted by the Holy Spirit and listening, that in itself is an act of protest. That in itself is an act of the kingdom because you see those in power, they don't want us to stop and listen. Those in power, what they want us to do is they want us to keep working. They want us to keep living out manifest destiny. Let's keep imperializing. Let's continue to be capitalists. Let's continue to, to move in such a pace where we never ever stop. Let's continue to be perfect in all we do. Let's never listen and get it wrong and be disrupted and all the rest. And so even in that, even in stopping and listening, that is an act of revolution and jubilee. That's what the Spirit's calling us to do right now. Will we do it? Can we do it? I invite you to listen to the Holy Spirit at work. I invite you to believe in the Spirit. The Spirit is not some sort of like thing that we can't trust. The Spirit is what's going to move us and guide us through this. It preserves us and it gives us joy and it allows us not to be afraid. And it says when you're tired and when you're weary, you will find rest in the spirit and I know we're tired I know we're weary 
We're tired when people don't believe. And we're tired when friends and family don't believe that the bedrock of our country is inherently racist. And we're tired when we don't see progress and we're tired of watching people walk away and we're tired of getting lip service and we're tired of having to explain racism and we're tired of being told to stick to Christianity and stop preaching politics and we're tired of not having safe space to hear the good news. And so today we listen to the disruption of the Holy Spirit. We take rest, we stop and listen. Do we have the courage to be disrupted in the same way Peter and Barnabas did which changed the world for the cause of Christ? Because if we do, we're also gonna change this place for the cause of Christ, for the cause of Christ. And I'll say this. Holy Spirit empowered rebels will defy this nation's racial oppression with the gospel. And we need a Holy Spirit rebellion. And who better to lead the rebellion than us, a group of people so courageous, so ridiculous, so in tune with God at work that we have no choice but to be called Christians. And so to that I say amen and amen. And amen. Will you pray with me? God, I repent. I repent of not believing in your spirit at work. I repent of not listening to others who have been able to worship with the spirit. I repent of not sitting at the feet of others who know the language of the spirit. <clears throat> and I pray that today that our church, Forefront Church, would work together to point each and every one of us to that still small voice that is the Holy Spirit, to the song that is the Holy Spirit, to the book that is the Holy Spirit, to whatever it might be that is the Holy Spirit. And God, I pray that we would be so disrupted and so moved by this that we would just, we would just be able to do nothing, nothing but enact jubilee. So give us the courage, the strength, the fortitude in our tiredness to do such a thing. And when we don't, we're thankful that we're loved. We're thankful for your grace. And we're thankful for this space, the space to get it wrong and to know that you are still good and you are still God. We pray all this in your name. Amen. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Forefront Sermon Podcast. To learn more about Forefront and how we're ushering in the next 500 years of Christianity, visit ForefrontChurch.com.